Hey everybody, I am Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. Today, we have the amazing Cassandra Platinum, (laughs) Cassandra McLaughlin. She's one of my biggest mentors, friends, coaches. Um, I've been following her forever, and she's just such an inspiration to me in color correction, salon ownership, business, everything. She's just incredible, and I've been following her for so many years and just have loved getting to know her in so many different ways. Uh, She's been a guest at the Network Salon as an educator. She has been a mastermind mentor, and she is just such an incredible person in this industry. So without further ado, Cassandra, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. My pleasure. Um, I love these episodes where we can just, I I've been, you know, I feel like I know you, um, kind of well, like in a professional sense. Right. And these, uh, episodes are just so fun to like, get to know my friends and the people who I look up to and my mentors and just some amazing people in the industry, just at a deeper level and just hear your story. So how did you get into the industry? Um, who are, let's start with this. Why don't you introduce yourself for our audience? What do you do? Where are you from? Why you do it? All those things. And just go ahead and give everybody a little bird's eye view of Cassandra. Cassandra McLaughlin, aka Cassandra Platinum. Um, I always joke I should just legally change my last name to Platinum because (laughs) that gets printed everywhere. But um, I am a brand ambassador for Redkin, for In Common, and Salon Centric. So I work a lot in the social and digital media field now. But who I really am is a hairdresser and colorist of 16 years. Um, I'm getting ready to open my third salon. I'm just a color nerd at heart. Like I love color corrections. I've been a color correction specialist for the last six years of my career. Um, And really over um, the majority of my career, education has always played such a huge part in what I do. So I really spend a lot of time now focusing on developing education, educational content, doing, you know, any avenue of education I can. Um, And I also just recently got, this is, this is a new thing for me and I haven't talked about it much, but it's something that I'm, I'm excited about, and I'm, I'm going to see how it all kind of fits into the education, but I just got certified as a certified mindset coach in neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy, and um, hypnosis. So I am really excited to incorporate some of that into my education. So that is who I am. I love it. I love it. That's amazing and good for you. And I just love how you're always growing and evolving and, you know, it's what, what we do you know, and it's really, really important to continue evolving and expanding and you can serve so many people doing that. So I'm just so happy for you. And I love to watch your journey. I can't wait to see what you do with that and learn even more from you. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's like the one thing it's, it's, I know we talk in our industry, we hear the words like level up all the time and things like that. And it's sometimes it's just meeting, you know, the, the, um, meeting society kind of where we're at, meeting our industry where we're at. And I feel like the conversations have, because of social, because of people like you out there kind of creating these conversations, there's been so many different doors opened that I think we all kind of like lived on our own for so many years in the industry. We didn't have these conversations about pricings, policies, you know, or even like 
some of the things we're afraid of or we're challenged or having challenges with in the salon. So I think that, you know, one of the things I learned over, you know, the last 16 years in the industry is how big of a part our mindset plays into our business strategies and our skill set, even behind the chair, even our technical skills come down to, you know, how we're thinking, how we feel and staying calm in those moments. So that's really why I made that pivot. It's like, it was happening anyways. Those conversations were happening. I just wanted to dive a little deeper into it. So it's still very industry focused and it's, I think it's very relevant in our industry right now. So hundred percent. I love it. Well, how did you get into the industry? You said you've been a stylist for 16 years. How did you get into it? How did you get started? Tell us your journey. So I, it's, it's actually very, um, ser- I always say it's serendipitous the way that it happened. And I've had a couple really amazing full circle moments, um, which I love to see like how life kind of brings things back around and like completes a loop for you. Um, but I was, um, geez, how old was I? It's 2005. I'm 38. So whatever age that was, 21, 22. Um, I was actually in college. I was in a private college in Tampa uh, studying English and I was like three years in and I was enjoying being a student. I love learning. I love, I love language. I was actually studying to be, um, to get what's called TESOL certified, uh, teaching speakers of the, uh, or teaching speakers of other languages, English. And I was actually, um, on the verge of accepting a job in Taiwan. Um, I know it's kind of crazy to teach English to to native Chinese speakers. Um, There's a lot of demand for that. And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, I don't know that this is what I want to do. Like it just, it was exciting, but it didn't like resonate. I loved teaching, but it wasn't, I just felt like there was something that I was missing. And I had always had wonderful hairdressers growing up. Like I was very fortunate from the time I was like 14, 15 on, I had like a major hair disaster. My mom brought me to her hairstylist and like I was hooked. And um, so I was at access to like these really wonderful hairdressers that were like educating um, and out there, like kind of at the front lines, like, you know, doing all these exciting things. And they always, I had two hairdressers in particular. They always said, they're like, you should be a hairdresser. And I was like, no, I'm in college. I can't, you know, kind of thing. And um, I just kind of think I had that seed in the back of my mind and I just never really gave it any attention. And I remember there was this moment of clarity and I've had a couple moments in my life, not a lot, but a couple where things all of a sudden like snap into place and align. I was sitting on my couch, just like kind of like thinking about my future. Like, what am I really going to do? What do I want to do? You know, people are telling me like, I should do this or I should do that. And I just felt very like uncertain and a little lost. And a commercial came on for the Aveda Institute that was getting ready to open in Tampa. And it was just such a cool commercial. <laughs> like it was like these models walking down the runway and it was like this really cool song that I loved. And I was just like, I'm going to be a hairdresser. Like it just literally was like done, clicked. And there was not a lot of uh, great schools in Tampa at the time. There was a lot of very small schools, but they were just very um, not attached to a brand. And I shouldn't say great schools. That's That's not even right. They just were, there was just not a lot of good choices in Tampa as far as like, there was just not a lot of schools there. And um, they actually were opening the Aveda Institute and I was like, oh, okay. 
And so I went and took a tour of the Veda Institute and I was thinking about it and it was great, but it was really far from my house. It was, you know, almost an hour and a half from my house. And um, I remember I had a hair appointment and my hairdresser was like, I don't know why I thought of this when, I, when this came in the mail. I thought of you when this came in the mail, but I saved this for you. And he handed it to me. And it was an invitation to the Paul Mitchell School grand opening in Tampa. And I was like, what? So um, it was just very serendipitous because it was like he thought of that while I was making this decision. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go. And something that, I mean, I, I speak on stages, I speak publicly, but by nature, I'm a very, very shy person, especially in group settings. So I actually went to the grand opening, sat in my car and didn't go in the school because <laughs> I was afraid to go in by myself. Um, I saw these cool people going in there and uh, long story short, I scheduled the tour and I was student number six signed up for the Paul Mitchell School Tampa. I just felt very aligned, very connected. And like the timing was so perfect. And I just went in there, went full force and fell in love and the rest is history. So I love long- that. Oh my God. I love that. And I just can totally relate to like, I'm an outgoing person, but like, I'm also super shy. And I like, that's so funny. You didn't go away. <laughs> sitting there like, you know, kind of hunkered down in my car and I'm watching everyone walk in, like head to toe black, like dressed to the nines. And I'm in like this cardigan and jeans, you know, I'm like, I'm not cool enough to go in like all those things. And I went in and they were like, uh, when I went for my tour later, they were the nicest, you know, people ever. And it was such a great experience, but um, it's just funny. Like when I look back on it, it's like, you know, little Cassie's scared of going into the school, you know, but I love it. When I went for my first day, I like could barely get out of the car. I was so scared. Yeah. It's like I was so nervous. Day of school. Like, yeah. I was so nervous. I was like, am I cool enough? Are my clothes black enough? Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. What was your favorite part about a Paul Mitchell school? Um, well, I think the biggest thing that I enjoyed about it is that there was a system and there was like a expectation like I felt like my entire year of school was completely planned out and like the journey was planned out where I I knew what was coming next um and I also felt like I was taken seriously like there was like an element we were we were very small school so when I started there was eight of us in the first class that's it so like we had the entire school until the next, like, it was like six, seven weeks. Like we had the entire school that was just eight of us the whole time. So I had a lot of individual attention. If you could imagine like through core and everything, there was literally eight of us in the entire school. And um, I think that was, it was the systems. It was, you know, really, I feel like the education was serious. Like I got my hands and hair and I got clients in my chair very quickly. And I was pushed out of a lot of my comfort zones, but, um, I just really, I, I felt like it equipped me very well to, to go out and have confidence when I started taking clients immediately. So, yeah. Yeah. I love the Paul Mitchell school. It was the best money ever spent for me in my life. Um, that education, you know, I, I always say, I feel like I have the best education money can buy. Um, and I'm just so grateful for that, you know, super grateful for that. And my favorite part of the school was the culture like the be nice or else culture. Um, I really love Win Claybaugh a lot. And um, 
just the whole be nice or else like the 24 hour rule. I never really totally understood even until later in life, how important that 24 hour rule is to create a non-toxic environment. And it's basically like, if you've got to talk about something, you talk about it within 24 hours and then you let it go or you just let it go. You know, it's just, you, you have 24 hours to bring it up and, and not hold on to it. And I just think that is the most healthy, you know, in salons, like you don't hold on to stuff forever. It's just like, talk about it, get it out of your system and move on. You know, it's just so important to do that. Like it, it staves off a lot of resentment and wedges that can be built up in teams by just addressing something when it's not turned into something that it's not. And it's hard to like snowball it in 24 hours. Like you can snowball it in 24 days. You know, you can snowball it in, you know, a year, but like it can be what it is if you address it within 24 hours. I totally agree. And there, when you were saying that, there's another one that I, I live by, but I didn't, it didn't come immediately to mind, but it's going asking as well. And I think those two, like if you approach this situation, like without presumption on someone else's motivation or their mindset or where they're, they're at and just say, Hey, what was going on? You said something kind of hurt my feelings or whatever it was. And you ask a question again, that's something, those are two things I think that alleviate so much conflict in teams. Yeah. Totally. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. I love the Paul Mitchell school. I couldn't wait to get out when I was there. Like I loved it, but then like toward the end when I was in phase two, like, yeah, I love phase two, but I was like, I'm just ready to go make this bread. Like I'm out of here. Like get me out of here. Um, but oh my God, we just had such great opportunities. I was actually at the Paul Mitchell school yesterday. My mentee, Alexandra at blend stations, follow her. Um, she's my little mentee and she taught her first class as a guest artist awesome girl I was crying like the day before I was just like so happy for her and you know she did her presentation people were clapping one girl was like crying came up to her and was just like you inspire me and it just to see her have that moment like that place is an amazing place and um they were like do you want to introduce yourself I'm like absolutely anytime I can get on a stage let me up there you know what I mean so I go up there and I just gave them like this like five minute spiel about like you know, I was in these chairs and you can have anything that you want in this career. We are in the best freaking industry in the entire world. I don't care what anybody says, even when times are weird, it's still the best place to be. And you know, I'm just so grateful for that. Same. I think that's like anything, any moment like that, where it comes full circle to be able to give back and say like, you know, I did it. You can do it too. It's like, it just creates a sense of possibility. And if someone else has done it, then it's possible. And totally. I think that kind of keeping that in the forefront. And like you said, this, this is the best industry because there is unlimited possibility. You can do as much or as little as you choose and create whatever you want to create. Like this is, it's literally an industry of infinite possibility. I love that. Absolutely. So hell yeah to the beauty industry. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So after school, then what happened? What was your path? What, what was your path like right after school? I actually started with a salon. This is not something I've ever really like talked about was my first salon experience because it was actually really traumatic (laughs) and not great. And well, if you're open to talking about it, I mean, this is a safe place. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I, 
I never, I think I never really fully processed what truly happened because I was very excited to be there. And I was like, I was in it. And I'm the kind of person, like when I do a job, like I go 150% in with like blinders on, like, let's go. And I assume everyone else has got the same mentality and the same like, um, good intentions. And, um, I was in a salon and this, this was actually in hindsight, a fantastic learning experience. It was just a little scary to happen right in the beginning of my career, but I went to a salon, um, that was, had an established location and opened a new location and the management was incredibly toxic. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what, I didn't know what to look for, to be honest. I was just so excited to be in a salon and there was just so, um, in hindsight, there was a lot of ways I was, I was kind of taken advantage of and used and not, I didn't realize it because I was saying yes to absolutely everything, which let me just preface this and say, like, I'm a full believer in hard work and I'm a full believer in saying yes to great opportunities. And there are opportunities to work for free that can benefit you in the long run. This was just full blown taking advantage of that I, because I didn't know better. I was naive. Um, I had a manager that hid my cosmetology book before I was taking my test and gave back to me after I took my test. Um, I had a manager who would book other people's redos on my books and not pay me for it. I had a manager that put me in a brand new location, 4,000 square foot location by myself with no other hairdressers and would just randomly put people on my books, take people off my books and take money out of my check without me knowing. There was like a lot of really negative, toxic things that happened. And like, I was so naive, like no idea, no clue. And, um, I just remember I, it was really kind of like my, my intuition in a way, or I'm like, I guess I shouldn't even say intuition because there was all these bad things happening that I didn't see, but I didn't know all these things were going on until afterwards. And I just remember just being like, this is just, it's not the right place for me. I got to do something different. And so I ended up leaving and I was deciding, I, that's when I decided to actually um, move to um, Missouri after that. So I moved, I moved to Missouri and ended up opening my first salon in a small town, but that was kind of a longer process. But the first experience I had in the industry was actually really awful. And, but I, I, what I did learn at the end of it is I had so much confidence in myself and my abilities that I felt like I weathered all those. She, the, the manager actually that, that took my cosmetology book and hit it. Um, I passed my exam with a 98% because I was resourceful and I went and found information and I had no idea what happened to my book until afterward, after I took my test, she's like, Oh, I found this. And some, another stylist said she took it. She hid it from you. And I was like, Oh, like so why? I have no idea. Like I don't have any answers because she ended up getting fired before I left. Some but people are just so cruel. It was cruelty. I think, I think, I think that there is, and I mean, I hate to make these kind of presumptions because I don't feel like if you're not there, you can never understand the mindset of a person like that. But I think that like when someone comes in like happy, willing, eager, and driven, there's certain personality types that are threatened by that. 
I mean, they, they, they see that as an affront to their own space somehow when it really has nothing, it had nothing to do with me. It was all her, but it was really, it was really eye-opening because I'm like, I didn't see any of this happening. I'm like, oh, I must've lost my book. I would never have considered that someone took it, never. And I've never like really even talked about this one because it's not like, it's not something that's worth like giving a ton of airtime to, but the end of it, I will say that I realized just recently, I'm like, that really solidified my confidence in myself because at the end of that, I'm like, I did everything I needed to do and I succeeded no matter what. And the end, <laughs> you know, so, but it was interesting. It was an interesting experience. And she, there was a lot more other, like there was a lot of other things that happened, but it was a pretty rocky start. To yeah. And I love that you said I was resourceful. I love the quote. You don't need resources. You need to be resourceful. Yeah, absolutely. There's always a solution to something. That's what I've learned. There is always a solution. Um, sometimes it's not the easiest thing, but there is always a solution. That's probably why you're so great at color correction. <laughs> I will, I will stay on that until it gets it where it needs to go. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So after that place, you obviously got the hell out of there. So um, I actually moved to Missouri. Um, this was in 2008. Yes, 2008. Because I was um, I was actually just shy. I graduated school in 2006. So this would have been like maybe 2007. Because I was just shy of the, the two-year mark for my license. I was like at a year and a half mark of having my license at this point. I moved to Missouri uh, where my family was and I was like, I just need a change. Like, I just want to go somewhere. And, you know, I was young. I was like, time to move. And um, I actually couldn't get my license transferred between Florida and Missouri without going back to school for 300 hours. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why. I just, I made the decision. I was ready to go. And so I actually ended up going back to school in Missouri for 300 hours. And I went to a small school in a, a town called Springfield. It's a larger city, like maybe 150,000 compared to where I live, which is 12,000. Um, but I actually got, uh, went back to school for 300 hours, which was a totally eye-opening experience again to go in the industry work and then go back to school. So, um, and then I ended up working for um, a salon in Springfield called ABBS, where I met um, Valerie Foss, who ended up being one of my biggest mentors early on in my career and really changed the the way I do hair, gave me so much great information on color chemistry, and we ended up opening a salon together. So, Oh, amazing. And that's who you opened Platinum Tampa with? That's who I opened Platinum in Missouri with. So my first salon was Platinum in Missouri. Oh, okay. Wait a second. All right. So you opened your first salon with her. Yeah. Yeah. She must have been an amazing mentor. She was. She was wonderful. We actually, you know, in hindsight, it felt like we had so much time together, but um, we worked together. I worked as her assistant for about six months. And I just, you know, was, again, kind of showed up with that attitude of like, I'm ready to work. Let's go. And I became her senior assistant very quickly. And that involved doing, you know, working very closely with her. She's a very busy, she is a very busy hairstylist. She's still behind the chair. Um, and just rocking out colors, like super, super analytical approach to hair color, but very creative, like, and cutting as well, actually. Like she's a fantastic cutter. Um, but I just, it was a crash course and it was kind of what I needed on the tail end of the really, 
crappy unmentored experience I had early on. And it was actually interesting. Um, again, another moment where a hairdresser kind of came to my rescue. Um, we had a guest artist at the school I was at in Springfield and um, he is this really interesting guy. His name was Midnight and he specializes in body waxing. <laughs> and um, he came His out. name was Midnight? Yeah. <laughs> and his blonde, he's got like mug shots of himself everywhere. Um, it's awesome. Uh, but he came up after me or came up to me after his guest artist spot and like he kind of grabbed my arms and I was like you know what's happening very like not aggressively or anything but he was like you have a light in you he's like you have a glow about you and I was like thank you and he's like you need to go see Valerie and he sent me the, he sent me to Valerie just like and he he hadn't even met her he just knew of her he was like, you need to go to her salon. And I was like, okay. And I did, but here's the funny thing. I actually went in for a service first. I went and got my hair cut uh, just to check out Valerie's salon. Come to find out that her and her husband, Michael, are from the same small town that I'm from in Missouri. And they went to high school with my brother and sister. And so it was just like this weird, like these like weird serendipitous moments where it's like, it just like I aligned and got connected with the right people. And there was like these deep connections along the way, but it was just, um, I don't know. It was like, there's these moments of just like where things happen. You're like, okay, let's go, let's do this. This is right. And so that's kind of how I got my start really. And it was, it was through the process that we ended up opening the salon in, in West Plains, Missouri. And that was, I, I had the salon for, um, six years before I decided to move back to Tampa and wow yeah so that's so crazy he grabs your arms and he's like you need to go to this lady and you're just (laughs) like okay like that kind of stuff like freaks me out in the best way (laughs) yeah it's like I'll listen to you midnight (laughs) I would listen to anyone named midnight to be honest (laughs) it's kind of awesome so oh wow So you were in the salon for six years, you moved to Tampa and I started following you when you were opening platinum. And I, I remember your time-lapse. Yeah. You were so good on social media. You inspired me so much on Instagram. You're one of like my biggest, like go-to, like when I was a salon, like, cause I had found you right when I had opened my salon. And we were kind of starting salon ownership at the same time. And it was just like, you know how you find someone kind of going through the same thing as you and you like lock in and you're just, you're like, you feel like you're going through it together. Like that's how I felt totally. And you were focusing on the art of the transformation, which so was I like that. It's my favorite thing to do is corrections and transformation. So it was just like a perfect person to follow. So talk about platinum. Yeah, that was, um, it was such an amazing experience and an amazing time. And I feel like, you know, I'm a big believer in like there's seasons and there's things in life that really like, if you let them like teach you such amazing lessons and there was such amazing growth, amazing lessons and amazing time in platinum. And it, and that kind of came again out of another tumultuous time. Um, it, it started out of a tumultuous time, but it was, it was kind of faith in myself and the learning lessons I was open to that led me to a place where I enjoyed really amazing success with the salon. Um, to kind of go back just a little bit when I was in, uh, 
Missouri, I had my salon. And one of the reasons I decided to move is I went through a divorce in a small town and it was very difficult. And there was just a lot of circumstances where I'm like, okay, like, let's go back to Tampa. This is a great time. Um, I kind of rehomed all my clients and I ended up closing that salon just because it, it was just, it was time for me to, to shift um, out of the town. Sounds like I move a lot, but there's like extended periods of time between these. I'm 38, so I'm not in my 20s. So there, there is a longer time between this, but I ended up going back to Tampa and I was actually in a very like, a very, very, very low state, like probably one of the most uh, difficult places I've been in my life. And again, this is something I've only just recently started talking about. So this is 2012. I went through a very difficult divorce. Um, very, very difficult. A lot of, a lot of challenges came out of it. Um, I was financially very in a bad state, um, lost a lot of my money, lost a lot of my resources at the time. So I moved back to Tampa with the hope of just kind of starting over. I'm not afraid of starting over. I've never been afraid of like rebuilding something. Like I have full confidence that like I could build, you know, anything from the ground up. And I spent six months uh, living with my grandmother because I couldn't afford to live on my own at the time. Uh, I had lost, I had a full full business, full clientele, a lot of resources that got decimated in a divorce. So it was really like I could stay and fight or I could go rebuild. And I decided to go rebuild because it was, the energy was too difficult to continue infusing into the fight. So I was like, okay, I have, I have enough faith in myself. Let's go, let's start this over. And I ended up working in a salon for a few months. Um, that was again, a fairly toxic environment with a fairly toxic salon owner. And I remember talking to my mom and this is a moment I actually had to have help purchasing business cards because I didn't, I was that financially, you know, in a difficult situation. And um, my mom and I were talking and she's like, well, what do you want? And I was like, I want to own a salon again. I want to open a salon, but I need a partner. Like I need some, I need some help. You know, I knew I needed some help. I needed resources that I didn't have at that time. And again, I met someone through the process of, of just kind of casual introduction who um, <laughs> within like two conversations, he was like, I have the space. I want it to be a salon, but I need someone to run it. And I was like, well, I have experience, you know, running a salon. And we ended up, you know, negotiating a fantastic partnership. And that's how Platinum was born. It was, again, another serendipitous moment where I got very aligned on the decision. I was like, I, I do want to own a salon again, and I will somehow, some way. And through kind of like these destitute moments, it was like this came out of that. And it was like, I, I kept, every time I kind of went through these like dips, I felt like I came out reinforced and ready for the next level. I was like, okay, I've dealt with that. I'm through it. It's over. And now let's go. And it just kind of steeled me up for the next, what was to come next. And so um, that's how Platinum got started is, is, is just really through kind of a, a moment of clarity of my, on my own. I had this vision. I had the idea of what I wanted it to be and how I wanted it to be. And then I met my, my business partner and, you know, he had no salon experience, but he has great business experience. And so we ended up making a really great team. There was a lot of up and downs with the partnership, but we made a really great team ultimately and, and built 
a really wonderful business together. Yeah, Platinum was amazing. And you guys specialized in the transformation you were saying earlier in our mastermind mentor chat about how you guys had kind of built an entire business on the art of the transformation. And that must have built so much of your experience. Yeah. Again, it was like one of those like learning curves at the time. Um, This was in, you know, 2014 and social media was one, it was, it was on the scene, but it was still kind of in its relatively new phases and I started initially using it when I was at the previous salon before Tampa to um, build a book because I was, I, I needed, like, I needed clients. It wasn't like I was trying to gain notoriety. Like, that wasn't even on the radar as far as social. Like, it was, like, really generating a clientele. And so I started using um, Instagram by posting before and afters. And at the time, there was people posting afters and they weren't really posting formulas I started posting before, after steps and formulas and kind of opened that door. And it generated a whole other level of clientele that were like, okay, I don't know what this means, but I trust you to do what you need to do to fix my hair. And that's what snowballed into a corrective color business. That's what allowed our salon to be profitable within our first nine months open. So we were able to generate, you know, a profit bearing business from day one, really, and able to take home money at the end of our first you know, the end of the fiscal year. And it, it was one of those things where I'm like, there's something to this. And so as a salon team, we leaned into social and developing, developing kind of like that brand of the transformation and having that niche and kind of living in a space where it was still new really allowed us to flourish that way. And, and it was a huge learning curve building a business off of corrective color, but it's like, it was amazing. It was fun. It was so much fun. So Yeah. I feel like corrective color is really fun because there's so many elements to it. You're lightening, you're darkening, you're removing, you're healing, you're hoping hoping and praying. There's like a spiritual element to the whole thing, but it's just, it is a really beautiful specialty transformation. It really is. And I love it. Um, And you know, that's what people are asking for. People love to reinvent themselves and transform. And now hair has become so mainstream. Like we are all elevating the beauty industry like all of us, it's amazing that like we are, you know, getting your hair done is people know it's expensive too. people just get like, they understand. And I think that the conversations we've all been having and, you know, social media in general has just made everything so much more mainstream. Yeah. I think it, it started with the transparency on social, like being willing to talk about pricing and talk about things. I remember early on when I first started posting before and afters. I had some people that were, I would never have expected this from, but they're like, you know, that's not possible. You didn't do this. Like you doctored the photo or like, you can't charge enough to make money off of that. Or all these like weird things that nobody would ever say to your face. You know, they would say it on social, but they won't say it to your face. And I was like, it's not true. And so that kind of spurred me on even more. I'm like, I need to be unbelievably transparent about this process like I need to talk about the ups the downs the good the bad the hard and the easy because everyone else needs to know what's possible and I remember I actually had a conversation with Stephanie Kachowski um, on the phone it was when I got my first behind the chair feature and it was this huge color transformation my guest had you know literally jet black roots grown out to almost her ear you know, splotches of orange and yellow and stuff throughout her ends. And I got her to a platinum blonde 
and behind the chair wanted to feature the transformation I had to give the step-by-step and you know I ended up having a conversation with Stephanie Kachowski and it was like through that conversation I'm like this is an amazing opportunity to be able to share literally every single step I did and hopefully inspire someone else to let them know it's possible because this guest at the time she was like you're my last hope to get my hair blonde like and I think you can do it and it was just such a moment where I'm like we don't have to hide our formulas like we don't have to hide our pricing we don't have to hide the fact that it took six hours. Like there was like this moment of, of kind of pivot where it's like, this is time just to tell everything, like share everything. And that's really one of the pillars that I built my educational brand on and my social brand. That's why I like Q and a so much because they're, they're raw and they're open. Like you can't necessarily plan. So it's like, you have no choice, but to be honest and you have no choice, but to tell, you know, what the, what, what is really going on. And that was really a pivotal moment for me to kind of create my own individual brand and it influenced us as a salon. But I just remember it's like they, you know, hairdressers need to know the truth and the transparency is what set the tone for the industry to shift. And I'm not just speaking of myself, but the, the transparency that we all brought to the table and the conversations we all brought to the table um, created a shift in the industry within hairdressers, but also our clients and their expectations and them being informed of the process. So. 100%. When I started putting the price on top of the photo, Mm -hmm. I used the hashtag elevate the beauty industry and I had no idea what I was talking about, you know? I was just like, I did, but I didn't. I was just like, because I would get these horrible comments. And I just started saying elevate the beauty industry. Like we're worth it. Like we're fucking killing ourselves over this work. Like it is so much work to like give people what they want and like what you are speaking about now. And, you know, it's just so interesting because we do align in so many ways. And like when I was building my color correction course, I had seen you post your stuff and I was just like, she just, I just love her. I can't wait to read your ebook and just do, you know, uh, and just see what you're, you know, sharing now. But there is so there are so many different elements to the service, especially with the guest's personality, their mindset, their confidence, their patience, their, you know, budget, their what's going on in their lives and all of that, like transcending through a six hour appointment. Cause like two hours, you can like have your shit together over six hours. It can go up and down, <laughs> you know, it's just so interesting. Um, how complex these services are. And it's great that we keep talking about it and we keep sharing and we keep elevating and no, we shouldn't be hiding our formulas. And I want to say, should I hate the word should I'm like trying to delete it from my vocabulary. Um, I, because there's no right or perfect way to do anything. Um, but sharing our formulas and sharing our techniques and sharing the time. And like you said, all of this, this is how we all grow together. You know, I'm not in competition with a stylist down the street. I'm not in competition with any educator. There's just enough people and enough for everybody. You know, it's so amazing that we're all able to do that. I think that's the biggest thing that like, I think those of us that are having these conversations, it's like, you have to get to that point of abundance, excuse me, abundance and not scarcity. And like, even with clients, like sharing a formula on social 
people. It's not going to take clients out of your chair. What I actually discovered is the exact opposite. I had clients come in like, no idea what this means, but I trust you to do whatever you want to do to my hair because it sounds like you know what you're talking about. Like it actually created an abundance to not be afraid to share. And I think that it took a group of us early on on social to kind of have the bravery to step forward and be vulnerable and deal with some of the hate that came back the other way. Because I think, I mean, I've, I've had, I had it early on, but I don't have much, but some of the, the resistance from other hairdressers, like either about talking about pricing or whatever it is, like it was this kind of almost like equilibrium that had to be established of like, no, I'm going to do this. Like, no, I'm going to share this. Like you can say what you want to say, but I'm going to share this. And I think that the, the end result though is a deeper understanding and an elevated industry that kind of flew in the face of what the culture of the industry was up until that point. And I think there was, and there is, but a lot less now, some toxicity in the hairdressing industry that like a lot of us have pushed back against, like lack of boundaries, undervaluing, a lot of things that contributed to an overall culture of like low self-worth and low self-esteem. And a lot of the things that I think we've kind of, that there was some resistance around along the way is like, it's just changing the way things have been done and changing the attitude towards them. And I think that thankfully we're at a place where it's a lot more normal. But I remember when I first started talking about something like deposits and cancellation policies, I had someone I know very well and respect in the industry say that will never be normal. That is bad business practice. And you are going to run all your customers off. And I was like, not the right ones. (laughs) Um, And I just remember that very clearly. And I'm like, we will see. We will see. Like, and never look back. <laughs> How difficult, like it is so challenging sometimes to like, look at your mentors and, and even if they don't agree with you, but to just keep going forward and being that visionary, you know, um, Robert Cromings, he's one of my biggest mentors and he, you know, was sharing, he's just like, I don't have to get paid when people say color, color bar, when you're a visionary, it doesn't matter what you get paid. You're when you're a visionary, it's about elevating and about like just what you're contributing to the industry like it's your legacy pretty much and I was just like damn and it's like really just like inspiring to stay on the path and believe in yourself you know what else he said to me once and it was like the best thing I've ever heard he was like send me the podcast I like to listen to myself for inspiration (laughs) and I was just like talk about having a message that you are listening, like you talk about dialing in a message. And like, so I never listen to my podcast, especially my solo ones. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's like listening to a voicemail, like your voicemail. Yeah. But I started listening, you know, to my lives and stuff and just listening and just being like, taking it in like how other people take it in because I'm just speaking you know what I mean and just when you're a visionary in this industry even if people are like no like I get horrible comments I get horrible dms sometimes I get people saying like to stop what I'm doing you have people telling me I'm nobody to be saying what I'm saying and you know 
it's like it's really hard to tune out sometimes but like when you have a message and when you're a visionary in this business you just keep going and uh you will make an impact yeah I always anytime I hear something that is kind of opposite of what I think I should or like like something that's against what I'm, I'm doing or something that's you know saying stop don't do this think about this I always take a minute and just try and examine it like I try and examine one where it's coming from and then I also examine the individual it's coming from it's like what is their limiting belief that they're trying to put on me right now and is it worth considering or is it worth saying thank you so much for your feedback and turning around and moving on and most of the time it's the latter because there is this sense of like fear that comes with someone else saying, stop, don't do this. Don't go there. It's like they're imposing their fear on you and you have to determine if that fear is valid and worth taking on. And most of the time it's not. And I remember an early, this actually goes back to Robert too, which I've been very fortunate to have a lot of time with him and be mentored with him. when I was working on stage with Paul Mitchell and there was something, I think it was serious business, his CD set. And there was something on there about being a fearless hairdresser. And I don't even remember the full context. I just remember attaching to the idea of being fearless. And as a shy person, I remember feeling like, I want to be fearless. I don't know what that looks like for me, but I want to be fearless. So I always had that mentality in the back of my head. And so when something like that comes up, it's like, am I accepting someone else's version of what this should look like? Or am I being fearless? Am I being true to myself? Am I afraid and going to go do this anyways? And usually the visionaries are the ones that feel the fear fear and move forward anyways. Like they'll move Courage. Yes, exactly. I actually just gave a talk called Courageous Leadership, and it was centered around bringing the idea of courage or strength of heart to what we're doing. And I think courage is one of the most important values to bring to the table when you're trying to make a change, whether it's a change someone else sees or doesn't like courage. It takes courage to create shift and create change and to show up. And um, it's fine if someone wants to challenge that, but it's up to you whether or not you choose to accept it. And I think that that's one of the biggest things to remember is that you don't have to take on someone else's idea just because they choose to share share it with you and I think social is a great learning lesson for that like you cannot take on everything everyone else says 100% I love it so salon one salon two and now what are you up to so salon three um it's again it's kind of like a hybrid scenario I really just took where I was at in my career. And, you know, I built something that was exactly what I want to do and how I want to spend my time. Um, I do a lot of brand work, coaching and consulting now. That's the majority of my time. Um, I I help develop education for brands. I help kind of behind the scenes, a lot of things that are not front and center, which is kind of fun because I can see like the fruits of my labor and I'm like, no one actually knows I did that, (laughs) Um, which is, it's kind of cool. Um, but I do a lot of, of consulting behind the scenes. I also do content creation and social and digital media. So I made a studio space for um, digital events, which I'm so thankful I did because I had no idea that the world was going to flip on its head over the last few years and everything go digital. So I have a studio space set up for that. Um, I'm actually getting ready to launch an e-commerce and retail uh, store 
um, coming up that's still kind of, you know, hush hush under the radar. Um, but that is getting ready to get launched uh, by June 1st. Um, and then I am getting ready to build out a booth rental salon. So I'm going to be opening my third salon as uh, my first foray into booth rent, but it just fits my life where I'm at right now and the amount of time and, and energy I can spend into a business. And um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into that and lean into creating more education. Um, I do do high level coaching. I take a few clients a year. Um, where I work with really like innovate, innovators, high-level beauty pros, CEOs of companies. And, you know, we just work through strategies and coaching together. I just customize a program for everybody. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. You're so amazing, Cassandra. Where can everybody find you? You can find me at Cassandra Platinum on Instagram. That's my main platform that I use for social. And then, of course, you can go to my website. It's CassandraPlatinum.com. Um, I have some resources. It's actually getting a little bit of a revamp. So it's, it's a little under construction, but um, I have my ebook, The Business of Corrective Color available there. I do a lot of lives for the different companies I work with. So I'm very uh, free with my education. I have a lot of uh, informative posts on Instagram where I share dialogue, formulas, color correction challenges. So you can find me in any and all those places, or you can also DM me if you have any questions. I'm always open to those kind of conversations. I love sharing whatever I can. So this has been so amazing to spend the morning with you. Yes, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for all of your time, all of your information and to tell your story. You know, you're such an inspiration and you're elevating the beauty industry. And I'm just so happy to know you. Thank you so much, Cassandra. Thank you, Gina. It was a good morning together. I enjoyed it. It was amazing. Awesome. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next one.